Good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship here at MCC. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you are here with us. My name is Jamie Moore. I serve as co-senior pastor here at MCC, and we're glad that you're here with us. If you're in the room, we're glad that you're here as well as we begin our time of worship this morning. Um, again, my name is Jamie Moore, and we're glad that you're here. We are continuing our series called Astonished. Astonished. And this series is a series where we are walking through the attributes of God and focusing on these attributes in a way to say, okay, here's what God is like, and let's look at Him in all of His glory and these attributes, and then let's worship Him. And so our, our order of service has been a little bit different in this series. We've been doing teaching on the front end and then congregational response to that teaching on the back end. And so it's had a little bit of a different um, schedule and rhythm. Today, we're going to do something even more different <laughs> than that. Because today, we're looking at the attribute of the holy God. And we're looking specifically at the prophet Isaiah when he encounters this holy God. And this is a significant passage in Scripture. It's a significant encounter of worship between God, created beings, and then Isaiah himself. So what we're going to do this morning is rather than me teach for 45 minutes and then we worship, we're actually going to have an entire congregational worship service where I'm just going to do some devotional thoughts through the text, but we're going to be worshiping the entire time. Because how many of you know that Isaiah wasn't listening to a sermon in this worship encounter and sitting there for 45 minutes? There was a dialogue back and forth between God and between Isaiah and between the created beings. So worship this morning is going to be very interactive and back and forth. So uh, let me pray for us. And then we're going to jump into the text. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6, the Holy God. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that we get to worship you. We thank you that you are high and lifted up. And Jesus, we honor you here in this place. You are the perfect revelation of the Father to us. You are the exact imprint of his nature. And we honor you. You have given us access, full access to the throne of grace. And, G and Holy Spirit, you are the love of the Father and the Spirit poured into our hearts. You are the very presence of God that we experience. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Help us to worship Jesus this morning. Help us to see him and honor him and bow before him, confess our sin before him, receive forgiveness and to go out changed people. Holy Spirit, come and ignite worship in us. We want to be like Isaiah. 
and to see you in all of your glory. So we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, this whole worship service that we've got is going to be in three parts. Number one, first part of the service, we're going to look at revelation and response. That's the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 6. That's part one. Part two will be confession and atonement. Isaiah's experience of confession and atonement in verses 4 to 7. And the last part of our worship service will be hearing and submitting to the Word of God. Isaiah 6, 8 to 9. So it'll be in these three parts. Worship is revelation and response. So let's look at the text. This is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Let's just start with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So God reveals himself. And I think it's really important that we understand this. Worship starts when God reveals himself to us. I want to make sure that we all understand that. Worship doesn't start when it's 9 a.m. How many know that? Worship doesn't start when Royce or any band member starts playing. Worship doesn't start when the pastor starts preaching. Worship doesn't start when the stream starts. Worship starts when God reveals himself to us. So any time that we come to a worship service, this is why we feel a little bit of tension where the band feels like they've got to rile everybody up. Have you ever felt that? And I'm not saying anything negative about any of our band members. But you know what I'm talking about? Are y'all, y'all glad to be here? You got your coffee? You ready? Let's, let's rile it up. The reason we feel that is because we're not seeing God in all of his glory. Because when we see him, worship starts. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It's a little quiet in the room. Worship starts because God has revealed himself to us. And he has revealed himself most perfectly in Jesus. So I just want to make sure we're real clear. Worship doesn't start because it's 9 a.m. So when you get up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and let's say God reveals himself to you in the word, guess what? Worship gets to start. (laughs) And you don't need a band, and you don't need a preacher. Because you have the Holy One revealing himself to you. So I just want to encourage you. You really want to worship? You don't need music. Music's a great thing, but you don't need it. You need God revealing himself. That's what you need to worship. Okay. God reveals himself. And Isaiah sees God. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And I ask the Father regularly, when my heart is cold, I ask him, would you help me see you? Because the reason I'm cold is I don't see you. Because if I saw you, my heart would be lit on fire. I wouldn't need the band to rile me up because I see you in all of your glory. And look at the context. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So the reign of Uzziah, he reigned in Judah, and it was a good reign. There was military growth. There was spiritual growth. There was economic growth. But he says, the context of me seeing the Lord was when Uzziah died, which implies to me there's unrest, right? There's insecurity. There's political turmoil, There's factions. There's people saying, no, I want this guy to be king, Jotham. No, I I want this person to be king. I want this president to, right? I want, no, 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 we need this. If we only had this, you see, in the context of political turmoil, (laughs) 
He sees the Lord. <laughs> what you and I need is not this president or that president. We need to see the Lord. What you need is not governmental policy. You need to see the Lord. And what we need as MCC <laughs> is to see the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. <laughs> and this encourages me because it does not matter what's going on with COVID. And I'm, not, and I'm not dismissing that. And I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not doing fake news. It does not really matter because God is on the throne. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because he's there on the throne. And Isaiah gets this reality. Everything is crazy around me. I'm a prophet. I'm supposed to be speaking truth to all of this. And he's like, oh, good, you're on the throne still. <laughs> you're still there, even though this is like this, but you're there, so all is well. <laughs> this encounter Isaiah has. Next passage is verses 2 and 3. So God reveals himself, but then let's keep going. Above him, that is the Lord on the throne. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. These heavenly beings, their natural response to the king on his throne, their natural response is to cry out holy. Their, their automatic response, you know, like when you hit your knee and your leg goes flying, right? Like you don't even have to try. Like, the automatic response of heavenly beings is worship because they see him. It's the natural, automatic response of these beings. They do say holy, holy, holy. And for us New Covenant people, um, you know, we see Trinity in there. It's, and I think there's an allusion to that. But what they're saying is not so much the Father is holy, the Son is holy, and the Holy Spirit is holy. The, when the Bible has repetitive words like that, it's a literary device to say he's not just sort of holy. He's not just like medium holy. He's super duper 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 holy is what it's trying to say. It's, it's amplifying the truth of his holiness. It's not necessarily triune, although you can read that into the text. But he's not just kind of holy. He's not like medium holy. He's not like grande holy. He's like super duper 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 holy. He is uniquely holy. He is uniquely different than all things. He's uniquely set apart from all things, all created things. And it's interesting, what do they say? They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that phrase is really interesting. Um, it is a declaration. It's also a petition. It is to say, his glory is over all the earth, yes. And we want more of his glory all over the earth, is what they're saying. 
Like, that you are glorious, and we want you to be more glorious. We want, you, we want more people to see your glory. We want your glory to extend all over the earth. It's a declaration and a petition that the whole earth, indeed, every corner of the earth would be filled with the glory of this holy God. Is that the cry of your heart? Is it the cry of our heart that not only that we see him, right, and worship him, but that every corner, every inch of this planet is filled with that kind of response to him? That every strip club is filled, right, with the glory and worship of God. And it's funny, sometimes when we think holy, we think that just means morally perfect, right? Like sometimes we'll say, okay, so God is holy, we're not holy because we have sin, and that's basically the divide. It's interesting, these heavenly beings are morally perfect, aren't they, right? They are morally perfect. Follow me, God's holiness is not just because he doesn't sin. Uh, He is so infinitely holy that even morally perfect beings go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are y'all hearing me? This isn't about God doesn't sin and we do sin, so he's holy and we're not. No, even morally perfect beings who have no sin look at him and go, no, there's something about him that I can't handle. They cover their face and their feet. There's a, there's a sense of, I need, I, there's shame, but they're morally perfect. What do they have shame for? That shows you how glorious he is. It's not because he's perfect that we worship him. Even if you were perfect right now, you would go, oh, oh. And guess what? We're going to do that for eternity will be in his arms, on his lap, and at the same time. So some summary truths, and then we're going to go after this holy God. We're going to worship him. A couple things. Worship begins when God reveals himself. Two, even morally blameless beings are stunned by God's holiness. Three, the natural and right response of created beings to God's self-revelation is worship. Number four, our lack of worship is due to blindness and not seeing the glory of a holy God. Let's stand. We're going to worship him. Some of you are in the room right now and your heart is not ready to go, and that's okay. Neither was Isaiah before he saw the Lord. I just want to encourage you in heaven right now listen to me right now this is what's happening in heaven I encourage you to just close your eyes and just picture this just close your eyes and picture this this is happening right now so we're just jumping into a stream of worship that's happening right now At once I was in the Spirit, John said. 
And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like the, with the face of a man, the fourth like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, Holy holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created and later a song is sung worthy are you to take the scroll lamb and to open its seal for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let us worship him this morning. Worthy is the 
Jesus, we honor you as the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel. We honor you. And we thank you for the great privilege to join with all of creation. And it is our prayer that your glory would spread over the entire earth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Woo! All right. So that was part one. We're going till 4 p.m., just so y'all know. I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Maybe not. Um, just kidding. Part two. Part two of this encounter, Isaiah and God, confession and atonement. And there's some important things for us to see here. First, Isaiah confesses his sin. This is verse four. Look at the text. So the cherubim, the seraphim are crying out, holy, holy, holy. Look at verse 4. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Creation itself shakes at the holy presence of God. Did you know that? <laughs> his, his presence causes tremors, physically speaking, and spiritually speaking with Isaiah. The presence of God, his holy presence, shakes the very foundations. I've, I've been in a couple earthquakes. I've never been in like a San Francisco crazy earthquake, right? But even the little ones I've been in, in Oklahoma, it's unsettling, like literally, right? <laughs> to think what I'm trusting in for balance is literally shaken by the presence of a holy God. And it's interesting, there's, there's this symbolism of smoke filling this space. Why smoke? There's shaking and there's smoke. All of that imagery throughout the text all has to do with the presence of God. You have the pillar of cloud by day that was over the tabernacle leading the people of God through the wilderness into the promised land. It was a pillar of fire by night and it was a cloud by day. There's regular instances where the presence of God would fill the tabernacle and the temple with Solomon and the, the presence of God would be smoky and fill that space so much so that the priests couldn't even stand in that space. So all of this imagery, shaking and smoke is all about the presence of God. That he is here and earth can't handle it. But it's not just earth. Then Isaiah goes, uh-oh. And it's funny. 
Woe is me means I'm about to die. I don't know. Let me just translate it for you. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. Listen, this is a prophet of the Lord. Like in our list of dudes that should be okay in God's sight, right? The prophet should be okay. I'm a dead man, he said. I'm a dead man. And we think to ourselves, sheesh, okay, Isaiah. Who did you kill, man? I mean, what, what bad thing did you do? What, 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 kind of, what kind of sin is in your life, man? What does he say? I have unclean lips. Anybody got unclean lips in the house? Anybody said something they shouldn't have said? Anybody ever lied? Goodness gracious. He didn't kill anybody. I'm being facetious here, of course, aren't I? How many of you know, if you compare yourself to a mass murderer, you may look good, but you don't look good before a holy God. Listen, I can compare myself to some person that's done something terrible and think that I'm a pretty good dude, but I'm not to compare myself with that person. I'm comparing myself with the holy one where even morally perfect beings go, no, 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 no! So stop comparing yourself with some dude down the street, right? And thinking that you're good. You're not good. That's the point. You're not good. I know this is a great sermon. Y'all are loving it. You're not good. That's the point. And the reason we don't see him as holy is because we are deluded into thinking that we're actually good in and of ourselves. Because it's easy to look at that guy. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, he did that. God wants me, man. I'm, I'm A-team compared to that. But don't compare to that. Compare to him. And when I compare to him, I go, woe is me. I'm a dead man because of that lie that I spoke. Because of that impure thought that I had. Because of the way I looked at my wife in such a way that cut her. That deserves my death in a holy God's eyes. We don't see him as holy because we are not comparing ourselves to him when we compare ourselves with that guy over there that did that bad thing. I'm a dead man, he says. I'm a dead man. Let me just say this right now. The presence of God requires you and I to be perfect and holy just like God is holy. In fact, the Bible says, God says to his people, I want you to be holy as I am holy. Isn't that what he says? And then in the New Testament, Peter says, he says, you better be holy because I'm holy. We got a problem, folks. I don't know if you know this. We have a problem. God says, you want to be with me? You have to be perfect, holy, set apart, sacred, just like me. You want to be in the presence of God, you have to be perfect and holy. So if you think you're just going to waltz on up to the throne of God on your own, you are wrong. If you want to be in the presence of God, you must be holy, perfect, never sinned, ever to be in his presence. And if not, you say, I'm a dead man. So what's the solution? It's in the text. It's the Bible is too good. It's too, it's too good. <laughs> it's too good. The answer is in the text. 
Isaiah confesses his sin. Next, Isaiah receives forgiveness. Verses 6 and 7. <laughs> then, he has just confessed his sin, right? Verse 6. Then, all these conjunctions, very important. Then, he confessed his sin. Then, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth. What did Isaiah say? He said, I'm a man of unclean what? Lips. Okay. The coal touched my mouth. And the seraphim said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Everyone say, taken away. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. To enter and survive God's presence, you must have your sins atoned for. To stay in God's presence, you must be pure. You must have your sins atoned for. The word atoned, this is an economic image. It means to take away debt, to take away guilt, or to cover a debt so that you no longer owe that debt. That's the atonement is an economic image. So I, I have a debt I owe. An atonement means we're going to take away that debt. And in God's way of thinking, that remains the removal of wrath and punishment and woe is me. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? So it's economic, but it's spiritual in that Isaiah saw the Lord, said, I'm a dead man. And he confesses. In confession, atonement happens by which his guilt, his unclean lips are touched and made pure, made holy, just like God's holiness. His sin is taken away. It is covered. The wrath of God that is like, I'm going to kill you because you're in my presence and you are unholy. That wrath that's coming after Isaiah is assuaged by something, rather, someone. Say, who, who's the someone? John chapter 12, verse 41 says this, talking about Isaiah, talking about this passage. Isaiah said these things because he saw Jesus. <laughs> Isaiah said these things because he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke of him. When Jesus comes, he is the God-man, God in flesh, come to be with us. And the Bible tells us that he became our sin. He actually became your sin and my sin. Literally on the cross, Jesus becomes my sin and your sin. And the wrath of God is poured out on his beloved son who was perfect. The wrath and anger of God against my sin and your sin is poured out on Jesus in our place so that we can enter into a relationship with God as father, not as punisher. Are y'all hearing me this morning? That's called good news. So I don't get to enter the presence of God on my own merit. I enter by the blood of Jesus, his righteousness that has been attributed to me. The Bible says he, Jesus, became my sin so that in him, Jesus, I might become the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, which is mind-boggling. 
For Isaiah to spend any more time in the presence of God required atonement. For you and I to have any sort of relationship with God, it requires the atoning blood of Jesus on our behalf. Your holiness won't get you there. Your trust in Jesus' holiness for you will get you there. Confession. So important truths. The presence of a holy God produces tremors. To remain in God's presence, Isaiah's sin had to be atoned for. We saw that fire image. Atonement is an economic image. Isaiah sees the glory of Jesus and experiences forgiveness. Let's stand. I want to submit to you, sometimes in our New Testament post-resurrection worship, we avoid confession altogether. I want to submit to you that is wrong. Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are times in my relationship with the Father where I will sense that something is wrong between he and I. I'll say, Abba, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but something is wrong. Will you show me my sin? And he regularly There'll be an image or a thought that will enter my brain. Like, oh no. And I confess. And in confession, immediately, I am restored to right relationship with the Father. Sometimes our hearts are cold in worship because we have unconfessed sin that we don't even realize. Sometimes we have unconfessed sin that we do realize and we are stuffing it down, pretending it's not there, trying to medicate our pain with worship when the exact opposite is available to us. Confess your sin and you will be free. So we're going to enter into a time of confession. We're going to make this just silent confession. And then we're going to sing to Jesus and the cross that gives us access to the Father. So, Father, we come before you. We confess to you that we have sinned in thought and in word and in deed. We have not honored you as we should. We have fallen short of your glory. And we want to spend a few moments confessing that to you. Jesus, we lay it at your feet, we see it nailed to the cross. And Father, for unconfessed sin that we are unaware of, I ask Holy Spirit that you would bring those to light and that we would confess them quickly. Hear our prayers.
sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns on Secure, we my strength and portion as long as life endures. My chains, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has. Chains, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be will be Forever mine, you are, you are. 
union with the Father and the Spirit. You willingly humbled yourself. You took on our flesh. You limited yourself. You came as a servant to die. To die an excruciating death. For me, for us, for the world. You did not have to come, and yet in love you chose to come and die for the sin of the world. And because of this, the Father has given you the name that is above every other name. His spirit came and revived your dead body. And you were raised on the third day, triumphant over my death and the death of the world. 
You are the victorious King who has risen. You are the one who for all eternity will be honored as the Lamb who was slain and is alive forevermore. And we will not tire of telling you you are worthy because by your blood you have ransomed people from every part of the globe to join your family even while we were your enemies you died for us so Jesus we honor you as king and as victor and all God's people said amen you may be seated I'm not going to lie, I'm having a hard time. Holy Spirit, come. May we be silent before the King of Kings. May we willingly cast our crowns and titles and successes and jobs and families and even this church, may we cast it at your feet, Jesus. May we live lives bowed low to you, King Jesus. May we feel more comfortable on our knees than ever before. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that I will never be blinded by the, by the world or my own sin from the glory of Jesus. May it be, Holy Spirit, that I would never be blinded and unable to see the glory of Jesus as I do now. Holy Spirit. Give us permanent eyes to see you, Jesus. Give me Monday morning eyes to see you, Jesus. When I'm anxious and afraid and discouraged, give me eyes to see you, Jesus. We cry out like little babes. We want to see you, Jesus.
Let me sum up the last part of this encounter with Isaiah. And then we're going to sing and be dismissed. Having seen the holy God, having confessed and been atoned for and allowed to stand in the presence of this holy God because of the atoning work of Jesus on behalf of Isaiah's sin. He then hears from God. (laughs) Then he hears God speak. I don't want to be dogmatic on this point because I do think that God speaks to us even when we are in our sin. Pharaoh heard God speak in dreams. Nebuchadnezzar heard God speak. But I just want to submit to you, if you're not hearing God speak, you better get confessing sin. You want to hear God speak? Confess your sin and receive forgiveness. You will hear God speak to you. He is speaking to us. Let's look at the text. What does God say? Verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God speaks and he has a plan. God wants to do something. He wants to send someone And Isaiah, in this worship encounter, his next response in worship is to submit and say, here am I. Send me. And then God said, go and say to this people. Very quickly, after being forgiven, Isaiah hears God. God is looking for someone to go. Isaiah has a send me posture And God uses Isaiah, this is very important, God uses Isaiah precisely where Isaiah has been in sin. Did you see it in the text? Having been forgiven of unclean lips, God says, who will go? Isaiah says, here am I. God goes, great, that thing I just restored, use it. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Many of us think, I can't, I, I, I can't go because I've got so much sin in my life. I did that thing to my, to my friend. I, I did this thing. I thought this thing. I, thought, I said this thing. There's no way God will use me. Actually, he will use you precisely where he has forgiven you. <laughs> the enemy just goes, uh, uh, Jamie, you remember when you said that thing? There's no way God's going to let you preach now because you said that thing. No, actually, <laughs> because I'm a man of unclean lips and he has forgiven me by grace through faith in Christ, I get to preach with power. Do you all hear me? Where you are broken, God will use you by faith. And if you go outside of faith, you're just going to mess it up some more. <laughs> That's a good word this morning. Wherever you have been caught in cycles of sin, God will use you right there. Now, he may do other things as well, but he's definitely going to do something right there. It's called getting back at the enemy. We've got an illustration for this. We've been honoring black history makers this month. We're going we're to honor one who is making history now. Many of you know her. Her name is Lucreta Bowman. She's the vice president for recovery services 
at City Gospel Mission in this city. The goal of the program that she runs, Recovery Services, there's an Exodus program and a Having the Courage to Change for Women. The overarching goal of these programs is to free men and women from destructive forces that hold them captive through spiritual guidance and direction. And this woman knows how to lead that because she was caught in the same thing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying from the text? (laughs) Many of you know her story. She was here at a women's retreat just a year or so ago. She was abandoned by her mother at birth. She was victimized as a child, became a runaway. Believing that she was invincible and that no one cared, she turned to a lifestyle of drugs and crime that led to a total of 17 and a half years in prison. In 1992, in prison, God said to her, spoke to her, (laughs) Isaiah Lucreta, you will never have definition or meaning until you come back to the source, he said. After a miraculous release from prison four months later, only 10 months into a three to 15 year sentence, she was discipled by two brothers and sisters. Then she founded and began to lead these ministries. Now she leads a staff of over 25, serving 48 participants with an annual budget of $1.1 million. She's currently leading the expansion of the Having the Courage to Change. There's a new campus being built. (laughs) This past year, through the generosity of his people, God has provided 5.2 million of the 6 million needed for the project. This is a woman who said, woe is me, received forgiveness in Christ, and has said, here I am, and is going precisely in the place where she was caught in sin and received forgiveness. And City Gospel Mission has a graduation video. I want you to see this video, and then we're going to sing and worship. This is the graduation video of City Gospel Mission. It's so beautiful.
Will you stand with me? Isaiah's encounter with God had the natural response of worship and it led to the natural response of here I am, send me. I want to give us space to hear from the Lord, to dedicate ourselves afresh this morning and to go out as ambassadors and prophets and representatives of the King who is using us because we are broken and we have admitted to it and he has refashioned us as broken vessels for his kingdom. Our natural response to the saving grace of God in Christ is, here I am, send me. Let's worship him. Sweet 
and skills and abilities, we also offer you the places where we have been broken in sin. And I bless my brothers and sisters right now. I bless you with eyes to see the Holy King. I bless you with hearts of worship this week. I bless you with moments that surprise you with joy and reverence before the King of Kings. I bless you with brokenness for your sin. I bless you with a quickness 